Thank you. Thank you. So, yes, my name is Yomi Bello, and I'm one of the members here. Uh, but before I share, let's, let's just pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you that you're here with us. I pray, Lord, that you give us listening ears and receptive hearts that we might hear from you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was preparing for this uh, message, I, uh, I remember the first time I had to go on stage. Uh, it was when I was in secondary school, boarding school. And, uh, and the school, we had to present this play in front of the, uh, uh, the, the whole school, uh, in the school hall. And each class had to present a play. Not every class, but um, now I don't know why I was part of the play, because in school I was very shy. And, you know, I was, in my year I was smallest and youngest. And uh, I kept myself to myself, uh, to, to a small group of people. But I was part of the play, and we did all the rehearsals and got ready. And then uh, on the day of the play, I remember we were on the wings waiting to go on stage uh, while the other class was finishing up. And, uh, and suddenly my brain went, this is danger. This is a dangerous situation. And you know what happens when your brain goes danger? Uh, your body goes into fight or flight. And uh, there was no one attacking me, so, um, so I took flight. <laughs> but uh, my, my classmates weren't having none of it, and they, they came after me. They, they made me go on that stage which I thought was very cruel of them. Um, because I didn't have a speaking part. I was only an extra in that play. And all I had to do was sit there and pretend to be copying, uh, cheating in the exam. Um, but they made me go on that stage, and uh, it wasn't pleasant. And then to make matters worse, one of the senior students who stood in the, in the front row started heckling me. Yo, me, stop cheating! I wanted that floor to open up and just, it was worst experience ever. Now, the thing is, um, from that moment, of course, I never appeared in any kind of play after that. Uh, never went on stage. Um, I'm not telling you this to prepare you in case, you know, I take off and you don't have to kind of come after me. <laughs> That's not what I'm telling I'm telling you this because... You know, it was a recognition and a, uh, a reminder for me of, of what my relationship with the Lord, the impact it's had in my life, the real change that my relationship with Jesus has had in my life. Uh, not just because I'm standing here talking to you and, I'm, and my brain's not going danger, um, but also because of the work I do um, and the fact that I have to do this in my work. Um, and I recognize that change. And, and that relationship really is, is built on my ability to be able to talk to God and hear from God. You know? And that's what's given me the confidence and the boldness to do what he wants me to do. And that's why today I want to talk to you about hearing from God. That's the message today. Hearing from God. Now I know that uh, there are many ways we, we can hear from God, so I'm not proposing to go through all the ways. I want to just focus on uh, one particular way that I think he speaks to us the most, certainly in my life. That's how he speaks to me the most, and that's through the Bible, uh, through his word. Now, I know you could say, and some people have said, well, you know, the Bible really is a collection of um, writings by different people. You know, how can that be the word of God? And uh, I guess I've got this analogy of uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, um, magnificent 
cathedral. Um, I walk past it most days on my way to and from work. Great, great building. Uh, magnificent edifice. Now, the thing is, St. Paul's, actually for over 250 years, it was the tallest building in London. For over 250 years, until the BT Tower came in, I think in the 60s. Uh, the BT Tower, yeah, 60s. Now, if you Google who built St. Paul's Cathedral, the name you get is a man called Sir Christopher Wren. That's the name you come up with, because he was the designer. He was the inspiration behind this cathedral. Um, but in truth, he didn't physically build the cathedral. You know, the, the bricklayers and the, I don't know who else works on the building side, the carpenters and, and the likes, they're the ones who physically built this cathedral. But it's attributed to Sir Christopher Wren because he was the inspiration. Without his inspiration, it wouldn't have been built. And it's the same with the Bible. And that's why in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul writes that um, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The Bible is God-inspired. The Bible is God's word. And so we can be confident when we are going through his word that this is God speaking to us today. Right, so how, how does reading the book translate into hearing from God? Uh, let me give you a, a personal example. So um, I was born and raised in, in Nigeria. I spent the first 16 years of my life in Nigeria before my dad was posted to Russia and we, we went to Russia and then I came here and, uh, and I've, yeah, I've been living there since. Um, I go to Nigeria every year. Most years I go because I love going. And for me, although I've lived most of my life here, uh, it's home. So I love going and I go every year. And I look forward to going. But there was a particular year I wasn't looking forward to going at all. Uh, because now, most years, the, the news isn't particularly, you know, the news from there can be a bit flaky. But this particular year, the news was pretty bad. Security was pretty bad. And I wasn't looking forward to going. And what started out as concern turned into worry, turned into anxiety, turned into fear. And, and I started absolutely dreading going. Dreading going. You know the sort of thing that every time it comes to your mind, and you know the what-if scenarios that the enemy uses? What if? What if? What if something happens and you can't protect your family? You know, and I'll think about it, and my heart will start going. And I was absolutely dreading going. Now, I pray regularly, and I read my Bible regularly. Um, I prayed about it, but it wasn't going away. Um, but I remember uh, this particular day. Now, in terms of the Bible, what I do, uh, and I did for years, was uh, I started in the book of Matthew. And I just read a, a chapter or two a day and, and just worked my way to Revelations. Uh, went to Genesis, worked my way to uh, Malachi, and just did that over and over again for many years. And on this particular occasion, I was reading the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. And I remember sitting there, we back in Woolwich at the time, sitting at a dining table uh, in the morning, all suited up, ready to go to work, reading the book of Judges. And I came to Judges chapter 6, verse 23, and I read this. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. 
And now, imagine you're reading a, a, a book and it's a, a standard font size, 12. And you get to this particular scripture and the font size suddenly trebles in size. That's what it felt like. And I knew instantly that God had spoken to me. And I remember I stopped reading the Bible in my suit. I felt I lay down on the floor, flat on the floor, just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because then and then, that fear completely went. And I knew that God had spoken to me. Now, of course, uh, these words were spoken to Gideon all those years ago. Um, but God was speaking to me today through his word. Through his word. And that's an example of how God speaks to us through his word. Through the regular reading of his word. You know, I liken a Christian without a Bible to, uh, to someone in today's society without a phone or computer. You're essentially cutting out a big chunk of how people communicate today. Or, or a Christian with a Bible who doesn't read it to someone who has a phone, uh, and you might know one or two of these, but the phone is always in a drawer somewhere. You can never get hold of them. You know, you can keep calling, keep calling, you can't get hold of them. Or a Christian who reads, doesn't understand, decides I'm not going to read again, to Maybe you have a phone, and you think to yourself, you know, people keep complaining that they can never get hold of me. I'm going to switch it on. And then you switch it on for half an hour. You wait there. Nobody calls, and you go, see, I told you. Nobody wants to call me. And then you switch it back off and put it in the drawer. It's in the habitual, regular reading of the Bible that we hear from God. That's key. Habitual, regular reading of the Bible. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. It's impossible to build faith without hearing God's word. And you know, faith is that thing we need for the things that we can't see. You know, the things that we can't figure out how it's going to happen. That's what we need. Faith. We need faith. And you know, um, I think in Matthew uh, 7, uh, there is that thing where the Bible, well, the Bible says that the path that leads to life is a narrow path. You know, I often think it's more like an obstacle course. Yeah. It feels more like an obstacle course. You know, I've got this image here of, um, uh, yes, right. So you can see that um, he's on a narrow path, okay? And sometimes when you're on a narrow path, you're sort of focused on getting from A to B. And you're not really worried about what's around you because actually staying on that path is hard enough and you concentrate on it. But just like that wrecking ball, there's someone on the side making sure that that guy isn't going to get to where he's going. It's the same way with the enemy. He's absolutely there on the sides, just chucking things our way. And his sole purpose is to make sure we don't get to where we're going. Or at the very least, slow us right down. Okay? So for me, reading the Bible, I liken to having an earpiece. On you. You know, you're absolutely focused on getting from A to B, 
You're not really seeing what's coming around you. And the worst thing is, you know, when, when you take a punch when you're not expecting it. I mean, you can't even defend yourself, you know. At least if you knew it was coming, you could at least try to avoid. And for me, reading the Bible regularly is like having that earpiece. Where as you're concentrating on getting from A to B, you hear the Lord say, right, face up, get ready. There's something coming your way. And in that way, at least you can be at alert and be ready for whatever comes. And I see that a lot with the way the Lord speaks to me. And I'm reading my Bible. And I might read something today. And then a couple of days later, something happens. And I think, ah, that's prepared me for what's happening. Reading our Bibles regularly. Not just reading our Bible. But the expectation, and I think, Charlotte, you touched on it when you were speaking earlier. The expectation and the space, those two things are key. We're reading with an expectation of hearing, of hearing from God. In Psalm 14, verse 2, the Bible says this. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind, to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. So imagine, there's God, helicopter view, is looking, right, who's seeking me? Who understands? My question is, would he find you seeking him if he was looking? You know, I want to really encourage you today and challenge you if you're not already. It's absolutely key to us as Christians to search the Scriptures, to read the Bible, to seek God, to ask Him to give us understanding. We can't be effective for Him without hearing from Him. We just can't. You know, um, I think a few weeks when you spoke, actually, Charlotte, you talked about Saul. And the fact that Saul got into trouble because he was looking to hear from God through somebody else. And, of course, he was hearing from God when Samuel was there. But the minute Samuel was gone, he got himself into trouble because he was finding God where he shouldn't have been finding God. When, actually, he had access himself but he wasn't prepared to go through the process he had to go through. So I'm going to just take this moment. I want you to take this moment. And if you're willing, I'd like you to make a commitment. I'm not going to call you out, don't worry. (laughs) Make a commitment to seek God through his word regularly. You make that commitment. Now, you know, I said I pray and, and read my Bible regularly. Some days, it's a few minutes. You know, sometimes I'm dashing out the door and I'm saying, Lord, sorry. Uh, you know, oh, um, today uh, I commit to the into your hands, Lord. <laughs> and then I'm out. But I, 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 I make sure, more often than not, that I sit down, space. I give him space. I sit down, read my Bible. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? So I'm just going to take this moment to pray. And what I'd like you to do is, if you're willing to make that commitment, that you echo this prayer in your heart. 
to commit to God that you are going to seek him. So that when he is looking tomorrow, when he's searching tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, he finds you seeking him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your desire is to speak to me, that I hear from you. I make that commitment today. I make a commitment today, Lord, to seek you through your word daily, regularly, habitually. To seek to know you, to understand you, to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, I'm going to invite Sam, who is going to also speak to you this morning. Thanks, Yomi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, that's good, because that doesn't even sound like I've got a mic. That's great. All right, that was encouraging and bizarre at the same time because there's so many points there which I'm going, oh, I'm going to talk about that. So I'm done. Um, no, not really. There is definitely something God wants to translate and communicate with us, and I think. Um, but yeah, let's start with a prayer. That will help. Yeah, Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you love us enough that you want to communicate with us. You want to have a relationship with us, and you want more for us. So, Father, now as I speak, may, you, uh, may your spirit be upon me and may you communicate something to everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, yes, marked. Um, I'm going to start with a story, really. Last year, uh, right. does anyone think they're sometimes quite cool? Yeah, we, we, there's sometimes a little voice in you. I don't want to pretend that I do, but sometimes I do. And I was going through a little phase last year where um, I decided skateboarding would be the best way to get to church. You know, I just thought, that just fits my look. I've got long hair, you know, I'd get away with it. I'm 30. <laughs> so I've got a little mini skateboard. I'm getting out of the flat, and then I was getting a bit better at it. A few times I'd just practice and go a little bit work, and I was tripping up a little bit. But then it got to the point I was getting quite good. I thought, well, you know, I can listen to music and skateboard at the same time. So I was doing it. I was skateboarding it, did it a few times at church. People made a few comments. I thought, yeah, rocking it, it's fine. Uh, last, um, last autumn, I was skating down the high street, music in, bag on, skating past a big crowd of people, minding my business. Before I knew it, boom! <laughs> I was down so hard. <laughs> Stuff out my bag around me, and I just looked up, and I just looked at this woman, and she just bent down, are you okay? Oh, I wanted the floor to swallow me up. I hated it. And more people ran to my aid as well and gathered my things. And I looked like such an it. I'm 30 years old. I was wearing ripped jeans. <laughs> I was listening to music. My air froze river. And I just, I hated it. I was like, I'm never, do you know what? I've never skated again. <laughs> so what do we learn from that? Loads of things, probably. But one, the main thing was, I hated being in that position. Sparko on the floor at someone's feet. I didn't like it. It was embarrassing. I got up. I was proud. And I ran off and sort of sobbed around the corner. <laughs> and he's like... So yeah, what I want to look at, though, is the positive sides of falling at someone's feet, falling at Jesus' feet. So that's what I'm calling this, to fall at Jesus' feet. So looking through Marcus, looking what to talk about, and there is a recurring theme. There's a trending theme that seems to go through Mark. 
of these different characters who experience Jesus and their response is to fall at Jesus' feet. I'll just rattle off some that you will come to when you read through Mark. You've got a leper in Mark 1, 40, who gets healed and falls at his feet in thanksgiving. Or it's actually at his knees, but he's falling down before Jesus. You've got the demon-possessed man in Mark 6. You know the one with the pigs? So this guy, what I find powerful about this, he is demon-possessed, and he runs towards Jesus and falls at his feet. Even the spiritual realm recognises Jesus and falls at his feet. Then you've also got the mother of a spirit-possessed girl, who when he, she, and I don't think, she's not even Jewish, and just the hearing of Jesus, again, her reverse reaction is to fall at Jesus' feet. You've got Jairus, the synagogue leader, who's got a sick daughter. What's his response? He falls at Jesus' feet. Oh, I'm going to keep going. You've got then the bleeding woman, who's a part of that story as well, and she's just desperate. She doesn't know what to do, and she gets healed, and her response is then, after being healed, to fall at his feet. So when you get this theme going on, you've got to extract something from it. As we have from Yomi there, when the word is speaking, you've got to try and listen. What, what am I trying to learn here? What can we extract? What can we learn and take away? So we could look at any of those. There's loads to take out of that. But I think I was going to look at, really, I'm going to look at Jairus. And what interests me about Jairus is he's a synagogue leader. So can you imagine back in the day, the position of power, the position of authority, respect, adoration. People would have looked up to him. He might have been quite cool, maybe, in a Jewish sort of way. I don't know. He might have been quite a cool guy, and everyone looks at him as being sort of got it together. And I, I look at that and think, do you know what, maybe we can see us in Jairus, in a sense that we think we've got it together. We've got maybe some money, we've got influence, we've got uh, education, uh, and we try and use that to our best advantage to tr so that we don't have to lean on anyone else. So let's just look at that scripture, how it starts. In Mark 5, 21 to 24, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little girl is dying Please come and put your hands on us so that she will be healed and live. It just says, so Jesus went with him. So again, we see that position. He's just seen Jesus for the first time. They didn't give it any other context, but he just falls at his feet. Now, why is that? So he's helpless. He's out of control. All those things that we have, he's got from money, power, position, authority, whatever, are useless in that moment of need. He's at a point where he has nowhere to go. Those things and those structures that he's built around or has around him just serve him no hope. But he sees and recognizes Jesus and falls at his feet. And Jesus responds immediately. But he doesn't actually heal. What I find interesting about this story, he doesn't get healed immediately. There's no instant response to his request. But all Jesus does is go with him. And so that's like us in a way. We, as I say, we're stubborn. We, we love control. And we don't want to be falling at anyone's feet, really. We don't want to be seen to be weak. We don't want to be seen to have not, no option. We'll always be looking for the next bit of advice, the next self-help, the next bit of, uh, the next podcast that maybe give me enlightenment. We don't want to fall down. But Jesus, as we see right through Mark, that is the response that maybe we should have. So what I wanted to look at that next bit was that journey that that goes on. So as I say, it says Jesus went with him. And it doesn't say anything else about that. So they obviously must start out a journey. They must start walking with Jairus. I'm just trying to picture myself as Jairus there. 
he's maybe excited. He's maybe trusting. He's probably still scared. He's still thinking about his daughter. But he's moving. He's on a journey. Now, in the midst of that, we meet the bleeding woman. Did everyone know that story? I might come back to that, to be fair. But you can imagine them. Put yourself just in Shara's shoes in this. So we're walking along. We're going. You need, I'm almost dragging him along. And then there's this commotion in the crowd. There's uh, someone's, obviously, there were these people, imagine, just being hemmed in. And Jesus stops and starts taking time with some, a woman. He's felt some power go out of him. As we know, this woman's just desperate again. Desperation. She's got nowhere to go. She's spent money. She's seen doctors. She's, again, done everything she could in her power and in her, with her money and with, her, with education around her to be healed. And yet nothing. Nothing had happened. Yet she had the faith to grab Jesus' cloak and power went out. But I love Jesus' response in the midst of that. Again, turns to her and shines a light on her. So that she can't do that in the dark. Suddenly, yes, she was healed, but Jesus wants her to be spiritually healed. So, I mean, I've got that over here. So, then the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So I love that. But what that almost identifies, she's falling and confessing. She's already been healed. But Jesus wants her to confess and share. This is showing somewhere another position we need to be at when we're, when we're with Jesus. Is that we have to be honest. It says told the whole truth. How often do we maybe want a little bit of Jesus, but we're still hiding things as if he can't see it? There's stuff in our lives, still there's baggage, but Jesus, can you help me here? He's looking at the whole thing. He wants you to share the whole truth, to confess and be on your knees before him. And that's the position that he puts her in. But now imagine being Jairus in the midst of all this. This is going on. And he's going, come on. I've got a dying daughter. You said you'd help me. And he's doing this. But isn't this, again, a reflection of us? We want to know the whole story. Jesus, this is in his control. I heard this good analogy, really, and this is where there's some similarities there. It's like we love control so much. We want to know the whole story from beginning to end. We are like, we're like an old-fashioned map. Does anyone own a map anymore? <laughs> Two, three. They're good. They're great. And what they do, though, is tell you where you're going to start, where you're going to finish. You can draw a line. You can see the undulations. You can see the trees. You can see where there's water. And you can make a clear plan of where you're going. That's your control. But life with God isn't really like a map. He doesn't reveal all to us like that. He is much more like a GPS system, like the Ian earpiece. When you get in these directions, and we just have to trust that he has, we've selected the best route. And that he is going to take us to that place. Because he is the one who has ultimately our destiny in his hands. And he isn't there to harm us. So we have to trust him on that journey and to listen to those directions. Turn right. Well, I can't see where I'm going, but okay, I'll turn right. The amount of times I put my sat-nav on and I just follow it, I don't know where I'm going. But you trust it. We need to do the same with God. To have that earpiece of the word and trust each and every direction is going to lead us to that best place. And this is what happens with Jairus there. So... I want to find that bit of scripture. So imagine all that's going on, and then this happens. In um, still, in Mark, it doesn't matter. We'll find it. It's on the board. I think it's come up. There you go. Mark 5, 35. Well, Jesus was speaking with some people, came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. So in the midst of this journey, even the worst has happened. The whole reason he fell at his feet was for his daughter to be healed. 
and it's failed. He was too late. He didn't get there. Jesus, what have you done? I should have, I should have just gone ahead myself. I should have called in a doctor. You could imagine he could have turned away from Jesus at that point. But Jesus' reaction is to perceive that and to intercede and say, don't be afraid. Just believe. That is continuing on that journey. Listen for that next direction. Listen for your next instruction. And so we know what that story is. They go ahead. They go to that house. The little girl is lifted up from her deathbed and walks out of the house and they're overjoyed. There is a response. So, I mean, and that is like us. We've got to learn to fall at the feet of Jesus for whatever your situation, whether it is in pure desperation, whether it is for illness. Because, I mean, from my point of view, there's been a couple of difficult years where we make such grand plans. And when they don't go that way, it's either, right, what can I do to get that control back? Uh, what can I do? What, who can I learn from? Where, what direction can I change? But this is where we've got to make a daily devotion to fall at his feet and give him praise, give him thanks, give him honour, and he will speak to your heart. He gives you the strength to continue on that journey. So whatever you're facing, we've got to learn to make that devotion a daily one. And as we said, yes, reading the word, that gives that to you, but even in your heart, truly honestly, go, Lord, I give you this day. That's the very least you do. I am yours. My destiny is in your hands. And only by you can I, can I live this life. You know what's happening. How much faith and how much peace and how much... I know from a personal point of view, that gave me ultimate peace. Ultimate endurance. I could go through things I could never go through. I could never imagine going through. Why? Because I was holding on to Jesus. I had decided, out of no position of my own, because I had no more control, to fall at his feet. And now I've seen response. I'm now living out a time of blessing in my life, and it's amazing to see. Um, I've, I mean, we've got, I've got a house. We're moving in with my wife. We've got a baby on the way. We've got so many great things going on in one year that actually now I'm having to learn to respond to how to fall at his feet, out, not out of desperation, but out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving, and out of praise. Now, that's actually, for me, it would turn out to be a harder thing, but we've got to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't hear from God. And that's very much like in Luke. It's not Mark, but we can use it. It's fine. The ten lepers, ten get healed. Ten lepers at once get healed. They all disperse. They all go off out their daily business. And yet one returns and falls at the feet of Jesus, but in praise and thanksgiving. And Jesus responds to him. Jesus loves him. So yeah, let's not wait so we have no choice but to fall, but let's fall every day at the feet of Jesus. So yeah, I'll just pray. Yes, Father... I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you love us enough. But Father, whatever we're going through, whatever we're going through in this room, whatever trial we face, you know the outcome. It is in your hands. So Father, may you move upon our lives. May you give us visions. May you give us dreams. May you give us peace and understanding. Because ultimately, you are what we need. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well done,